Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Dayton Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast CEO with Renegade Acquisitions, Mr. Kenneth Armbruster. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I am doing well and have been looking forward to this conversation. If you would, give us a little primer, a little overview, mission, purpose. What are you guys out there trying to do for folks there at Renegade? Uh, our mission, we are looking to consolidate the crematory, uh, privately owned crematorium business. Uh, and we are looking specifically to revamp the way refractory bricks are installed. So we also look for even though there's not that many, we look for crematory rebuild services. My background is in construction, okay? So indirectly, um, indirectly, I have some form of experience within the industry, although the processes involved in uh, rebuild, crematory retort rebuild are, are slightly different um, than what I'm accustomed to. But indirectly, um, I do have some level of industry experience. And um, like I said, we're looking to consolidate this industry. We're looking to uh, put our own unique spin on it and, uh, you know, hopefully make this industry and this world a better place uh, before we leave it. So that's, that's the basics of it. So what is the, uh, the business imperative, the, the value proposition, the business case, I guess, for consolidation? Why go to all this trouble to consolidate other than just make money? But well, a lot of privately owned crematorium, you know, um, the owners are looking to retire. Okay. Mm. Um, their kids don't want the business. Their kids don't want the responsibility. So there's really no plan of succession and not just true of crematoriums, but true of, uh, funeral homes in general throughout the Midwest. And, um, you know, there's, there's room for improvement as well. I mentioned briefly uh, finding more economical ways to do concrete and refractory brick installation. But also, if we look at other parts of the industry, if we look at the transport aspect of the industry. Now, without, without going into too many horror stories, you know, it's not uncommon uh, to have mix-ups, mm. mix-ups, meaning, you know, body mix-ups in that part of the process. So... You know, GPS tracking on your hearses, um, that's, just, that's just one example, one value proposition, if you will, of many. And I would say, you know, a lot of times when it comes to rebuilding the actual crematories, um, a lot of that just gets outsourced to uh, independent contractors. And there's a lot of inherent problems with, with that in itself. Um, you know, because an independent contractor is in no way uh, committed to your particular operation, and therefore, you know, what they're under no legal uh, commitments either. So they can take your unique mm. trade secrets, uh, they can take you know your unique company information, whatever, and just run with it and just do whatever they want. So there's there's really a lack of organization in the actual repair uh, part of that industry. And, um, you know, those, those are just two brief areas of improvement, but I, I mentioned, you know, there's always going to be demand for it. Um, 
because as long as we're in this world, there's always people dying. But um, in, 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 in terms of the industry itself, you know, it's, it's, it's just not generally that attractive to the younger generation. Um, so, so, you know, it's just kind of a unique opportunity, a unique industry uh, that we are seeking to capitalize on. I realize you guys are getting some real traction right now, but when you first went out to the marketplace and tried to share this story and you shared this framing and you're pitching this idea, was it initially really well embraced or did you have to do no, some, no. some selling? <laughs> no, 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 not, not true at all. Um, because now mind you, when I first started pitching this, this was actually before, uh, and I, I don't want to talk about the politics uh, of, or even the legitimacy of what is called the COVID-19 pandemic. I have my own opinions on that, which I keep to myself. However, even before that, it was not very well received. Um, there were a lot of funeral homes. There were a lot of privately owned uh, businesses within what is called the bereavement sector. Uh, going out of business, uh, losing revenue. And really, a lot of that has to do with, in a sense, it being a saturated market. But, um, you know, more than that, it's just no plan of succession. Now, when we talk about crematory rebuild, you know, I, 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 I just mentioned, you know, a lot of reliance on independent contractors. Therefore, if you want to, you know, say, own and operate a rebuild company, you know, actually file it with the state and actually have employees, um, you know, it, it is possible um, for a lot of your work to get outsourced to independent contractors. And so keeping employees, um, you know, that's, that's a challenge. But then again, I, I could already relate to that. Like I said, I did a form of construction, uh, commercial concrete work specifically for a number of years. And so I can relate to how difficult it is to keep qualified workers um, that are also reliable. But if we really want to talk about, see, it was not received very well, but how do I explain this? There are people, they're only imperative and the only thing they really do is they're critics, okay? So they've never actually created anything themselves. They've never actually produced anything of value themselves. But through their careers and through years of practice, they've become very good at denigrating what other people do, and they've become very good at identifying and pointing out the flaws inherent in other people's operations but it stops right there. Okay. They will critique something and they will point out the weaknesses, but they won't follow up with any kind of alternative solution. They won't follow up with any kind of proactive measures on how we can a fix what they're critiquing, b improve it, uh, c do something entirely different that at least moves us forward, you know? So, I initially, I'm not, I'm not going to mention any, not that there's like um, any confidentiality agreement or anything. I'm not going to mention any specific government organizations. However, okay, going to certain government organizations, which shall remain nameless, you know, I spoke to individuals who had prior experience 
a significant amount of prior experience in acquisitions. And, you know, I told them, this is what I want to do. And they, and, you know, they just say, no way, you know, this has no chance of being profitable. I can point out all these reasons why this isn't going to work. And yet they stop right there. They stop right there with, I can identify problems. I can identify weaknesses, but in terms of actually coming up with something proactive, and in terms of actually offering an alternative solution, I have none. You know, so what I'm saying, what, what, what I'm saying is in any industry, there are inherent weaknesses. If we were to take something tech-related, for example, like, um, like a digital marketing company, what is the inherent, even though there's a lot of demand for digital marketing, if it's good, what is the inherent problem with that? It has no hard assets. It has no tangible assets. The only assets of a digital marketing slash software company are proprietary rights on the software, maybe a few licenses, maybe a few, maybe some intellectual property, patents. There's no real estate though, you know, if, if your business is entirely online. So was it received? Well, not really. Okay. Are there inherent problems and challenges? Of course, but that's true of anything. You know, I, I, I mean, so if I just look at the weaknesses, you know, if you want to talk about a saturated market, there is a saturated market of critics. There is a saturated <laughs> of market. There is a saturated market of people who think that identifying the weaknesses and identifying shortcomings in anything, uh, uh, okay, is an accomplishment, is a badge of honor. It's really not. It really doesn't take any skill at all to do that. It really doesn't take any quality of character to do that. It takes skill and it takes quality of character to produce stuff and to move people forward and to actually create things that, that move the world forward in a positive direction. That is real merit. That is real value. So I choose to identify with the people who produce real merit and value. Um, if that answers your question. Well, it certainly does, but it, but it prompts another one. How do you specifically, but I'm really asking for me and everyone else, how do we remain resilient in an environment like that? Are, are there some go-to preparatory yeah. Yeah, methods? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good question. Good question. Good question. <laughs> the first, um, the first uh, practical step is you cut off those people I just described, you know, the naysayers, like they are gangrene, okay? Because mm. there's no helping them and there's no changing them, okay? They will not change their stance because they are chemically addicted to the feeling of superiority that comes from uh, 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 dumping all over what you're doing. They, over the years, you know, they have become chemically addicted to that sensation. They're like a drug addict, in essence, their drug of choice being um, their own criticism of you. So don't try to change those people. Just cut them off completely. And the better you get at removing yourself from those people, uh, inversely, proportionally, the better you get at, at becoming sensitive, uh, fine-tuned to the people that are actually conducive towards you getting what you want, 
So, you know, you cut those people off, you move as much as it depends on you, as much as you are able um, to, to invite people into your life who are proactive, you know, who can help you. In addition to that, one more practical thing, okay? It sounds cliche and it gets overused. It is cliched in the way that it is typically explained. People say there are 24 hours a day and mathematically whatever that computes to in a week, you know, there are this many hours in a week, okay? You got time, blah, 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 blah. But they don't really tell you how to change your habits. They don't really tell you um, how to alter how to alter yourself such that, you know, being proactive becomes habitual. You do it uh, automatically. The way you do it automatically, okay, let's say hypothetically as an example, let's say I wanted to produce a website and I wanted to become proficient. I wanted to produce a website from scratch and I wanted to become proficient in whatever coding language, I believe it's JavaScript, HTML, whatever, um, that is used for the back end of a website, okay? It is not habitual for me to sit down and teach myself to code, okay? It is habitual for me to maybe go to work, maybe talk to the people I talk to every day, maybe go for a run in the morning if I'm really dedicated. So how I make what I know to be um, productive, what I know to be conducive towards my goal of habit, is I, I sit down, I start coding as best I can. If I can't, um, if I don't have the, the, the server or the command prompt that I need right away, okay, I do as much research because anyone can open Google, okay? I open Google and I look for the command prompt. I look for the germane software, okay? And I time myself. I literally, the timer on my phone, I start it, okay? And I just go to work and I just take the next step that makes the most sense to me towards my end goal of building that website, okay? And eventually, um, eventually, it's a fact, I'm going to figure out what the correct command prompt is for JavaScript. I'm going to figure out what the correct software I need to install is. It's only a matter of time, okay? And at the exact point in that process that I feel fatigued, worn out, uh, drained emotionally, mentally, whatever, I stop the clock. I literally stop the timer. And let's just say hypothetically nine minutes has gone by, okay? I just proved that I can dedicate nine minutes to this today, okay? And this was actually a productive nine minutes. I actually learned a lot that I didn't know before about coding in JavaScript within that nine minutes. Let's do one more minute tomorrow. So tomorrow, I'm going to have a planner, third practical step. I'm going to have a planner with no more than seven items on it, okay? Because any more of that, you're going to get overwhelmed, okay? Seven of the most important things to do. One of those most important things is coding for 10 minutes, which I've already demonstrated I can basically do. And if I haven't got it fully figured out, doing the next most productive step that reveals itself to me towards that goal for a duration of only 10 minutes. And guess what? I'm going to set the timer again. 
And guess what? I'm going to do 10 minutes the next day. And if I'm starting to enjoy JavaScript at this point, I might even do 11 minutes, okay? <laughs> but, but seven seven items a day, no more than that, okay? Whatever activity is most germane towards my goal, okay? I've identified I can do this for 10 minutes. Well, now I can do it for 10 minutes every day. Now I actually have a habit. Now I've actually started to develop not so much an addiction, but an enthusiasm for coding, which I did not have before, you know, because I had not changed my habits to accommodate that. And that's really all we are, is a collection of habits. And the people we draw into our lives are really only the people and can only be the people whose habits in some way sync with ours, in some way are in line with ours, okay? So we cut off the people who are infectious to us, okay? And we change our habits so that we can then draw in the people that are supportive and, um, and beneficial to us. That sounds like marvelous counsel. And what I love about the approach that you described in some detail there is it makes me feel like I have some degree of control and the discipline and the rigor, the structure that you laid out actually liberates me. It doesn't confine me. I I, I just love that. So that's the whole point of it. You are in control. You're in control of that entire process. There is nothing I just described where the central of Lotus of control in any way strays away from you at any point. And that, that, you know, anyway. Well, before we wrap a couple other questions, I want to make sure that I get in here. One, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, we, we've, um, we've been very transparent. You have about some of the challenges in your environment, but what are you finding most rewarding about your work right now? What's most rewarding more than anything. Okay. I mentioned briefly changing habits. Okay. What I did not mention was changing um, personal qualities about myself. I am overwhelmingly more organized as an individual since I started doing this. The re- two reasons that's relevant, being more organized, first of all, makes me an asset. It is something of value that separates me from well over 90% of the population in the U.S. and the world. Okay, and I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn. It's just a fact. Take a walk, step outside, and look at the people around you, and you, you make your own conjecture about how organized they are. But <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that, okay, um, it acclimates me to a level of thinking, a base level of thinking. Okay. That is a higher degree of complexity, okay, but complexity in the sense of um, able to manage more, okay, and even if I'm not having direct success in terms of, say, raising capital or in terms of attracting the most qualified uh, people to be on my board, to be on my team, even if I'm not having the best possible success, I'm still having some success, okay, 
And even though I don't really know how to explain it, okay, that level of thought and that level of organization does carry over into other areas of my life and other areas of my life specifically pertaining to making money, okay, and does magnify those other completely unrelated areas, okay? So I'm making myself more of an asset to the world overall, but I'm also making myself more effective in other areas that have nothing to do with renegade acquisition. And that's, now there's, there's, I think my dad said, life is what happens while you're making other plans or even better, yeah. uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee said, the martial artist, when you accept compromises in one area of your life, it, it transfers over into other areas of your life, okay? So the level of organization and complexity that I approach what we're talking about with, because I have trained new habits and because I have trained new ways of thinking, it will manifest and it will carry over into every other area of my life, okay? So even if we're not achieving direct success, we are achieving indirect success by learning a new way of thinking um, and a new way of, um, of interfacing with the world. So I knew we were going to learn about a very interesting business in this conversation. I had no idea we were going to gain this much insight that applies so broadly to what is really our, uh, you know, our tribe out there, the people who are out there every day just trying to, trying to hammer it out. I can't thank you enough. Before we go, though, I want to make sure if uh, some of our listeners would like to have a more substantive conversation with you or someone on your team to learn more uh, about your, what you're up to or collaborate with you in some way, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Website, uh, renegadeacquisitions.com. Um, my direct contact, my personal contact information is on there. We have a Facebook page as well. And um, like I said, my email address is on there. You can contact me through the website. You can contact me via email. Uh, there's, there's really, you know, my, my contact information is public. You know, oh, yeah, that's right. We got LinkedIn, too. <laughs> I think that may have been how you and I got connected. Well, That's Kenneth exactly Armbruster, yeah. uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Armbruster, CEO with Renegade Acquisitions. It has been an absolute delight having you on the show. And I think maybe we ought to circle back and have more conversation again yep. sometime. I would definitely appreciate that. That would be awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Have an awesome night. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Kenneth Armbruster, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Dayton Business Radio. Mm-hmm.